I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing. The podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I am one half of your presenting duo. I am Stuart Roy Whiffin of Essex Shire, sitting opposite me as ever, co-host and professional melt. <laughs> uh, Christopher Glasson, yeah, professional melt. Yeah, Are you alright? I'm alright man, I'm alright. My beard, because of how the camera angle is today, my beard looks massive. This yeah. is the angle I should take pictures of my penis from. Just <laughs> <laughs> what from just under your chin? Just under my chin. <laughs> we get my photo. we get shots of my photo. my penis from just under your chin. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, if this is your first time listening to hardcore listing, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> uh, we don't generally, well, we do generally start by talking yeah. about your dishevelled beard uh, and your pe- and your penis generally makes a. Uh, and not an appearance, but um, hot, uh, an hot audio topic. appearance. Yeah, it is. It is cock topic. Um, maybe we should make that a regular feature. Chris's cock topic. <laughs> <laughs> Just diarise your um, your your, your uh, upcoming circumcision. I mean, <laughs> there's 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 two guests sitting here looking a little bit <laughs> bewildered <laughs> at what we're going on about. Um, you had me at upcoming circumcision. <laughs> Just go from a hoodie to a turtle bag. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hardcore Listing Podcast is uh, a weekly podcast where Chris and I uh, sit down together, sometimes with guests, which we have today, sometimes with that, and we count down top five. Um, I, I, do we do a countdown um, of a top five of any topic? It can be absolutely anything. Um, today's is a great one. Um, Chris... What else do we do before we actually start the episode? We always thank our sponsors, so I'm going to take a second right now to play the audio tape. Right, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Moto Recall. Yes, it's one of those lifestyle utility apps that every phone should have. It's got the practical, the nostalgia and the dream. From 18 to 118, there is something for you. It's what you make it. Day-to-day reminders of tax and MOT on your cars you've in your current garage. I have... For one, sometimes been driving around in my car not being MOT because I forgot. So it's a bit of a lifesaver. Absolutely. I mean, never buy a second-hand car without knowing the history. You know, provenance. Moto Recall makes sure you aren't caught out by allowing you to perform a full provenance check on the vehicle. With just the car reg, is there outstanding finance? Has it been in an accident? Is the mileage legit? 
you'll get the full picture powered by experience with a data guarantee. I wish I'd had that in the past. And, and with this app as well, you can build your historic garage with photos and data that you can not only look back on for yourself, but you can share it with your mates. You know, every car is a memory. You used to have that cat in the hat car. I'd love to have seen that. I mean, if you don't have an historic garage, like build out your dream garage. You know, what has caught your eye? What are you dreaming of owning? And the best bit is free. Up to 50 cars and provenance checks are pay as you go when you need them. Experian aren't as nice as the Moto Recall team, of course. Download the app for free. Search Moto Recall in your app store. M-O-T-O-R-E-C-A-L-L. Moto Recall in your app store. Uh, hello, this is uh, Charles, um, Chaz from Love Beer. Uh, and, and I'm here to tell you about why I sponsor uh, Hardcore Listening and what, what love-beer.co.uk does. Uh, I am a fully certified by the British Beer and Pubs Association for bar installation with a focus on home and office bars. I have loads of home bar clients who have really enjoyed the service during lockdown as well as corporate office clients like Facebook and HelloFresh. I offer a complete solution from installing the bar equipment right the way through to keg supply. I also offer regular maintenance packages for those who want a bar without all the hassle. Hello, this is Charles also from Love Beer. I just want to also let you know I'm fully licensed to sell kegs. We can supply loads of different products from mainstream beers and ciders right through to trendy craft beers and even Prosecco kegs, all delivered to your bar by a certified technician. Also, why I'm here, have I mentioned the Land Raver Beeries 3, which is a 45-year-old XMOD Land Rover Series 3 that we have done a complete restoration on during lockdown. The Three Beeries 3 is a custom-built, high-performance bar hidden in the back of a Land Rover. The bar we have installed is capable of doing upwards of 500 pints per hour. We're about four to five weeks off having it all back together and ready to show it off. And I'll be launching an Instagram for it this week. Nice one, Charles. Nice one. Hello, I want to take a moment to shout out one of our wicked sponsors, eggfried.com. They are a streetwear brand. They produce t-shirts, sweats, hoodies, handmade denims. It's all inspired by hip-hop, punk, choir fashion. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, head over to eggfried.com and and have a look on the website because it's not just the design, it's the layout, it's the website. You know, the creative team over there are absolutely on point. There's just some, some great stuff there. And and not just for adults as well. They've got Small Fried, which is their range of kids' <laughs> clothes. And if you want your kid to just look beyond cool, like head over and check that out. And they've given us a discount code, right, Chris? Yes, Egg Salad. If you type Egg Salad into the discount coupon section, you get yourself a tidy little discount. And when they send out the stuff, it is packaged exquisitely. You get little goodies in there, stickers, and it's all wrapped up beautifully. So check out eggfried.com. Okay, lastly, we want to thank, and certainly not leastly, we want to thank, is leastly a word? (laughs) No, it's really not. Right, we're going with it. (laughs) We're going with it. So we want to thank Luke Van Boom. Luke Van Boom has a company called Bang Boom Creative. Luke is a, a long-time sponsor of this show and a friend of this show. If you see the pictures of Chris and I on the socials advertising this podcast, 
them happy snaps were taken uh, by the genius that is Luke Van Boom. I mean, that's just the tip of, of, of what he does. Chris, do you want to explain a little bit more about what Bang Boom Creative does? Yes, it's all about fresh interview production. So they're all about content with a heart and soul, making films of all kinds, shooting dynamic photographs and putting smiles on faces. They're passionate storytellers working with a diverse range of brands of all sizes. You know, their work includes short film, viral video, animation, hidden camera stunts, product demos, live action, 360 imaging and music promo. And they've worked with a ton of companies as well. Universal, uh, BBC Children in Need, even the Mayor of London, Katie Piper, the NHS, the Dogs Trust. They've, they've worked with a lot of companies. It's, it consistently blows my mind, you know, the stuff that you've just said there. Why does he have anything to do with us plums? Stop talking him out of it. Right. <laughs> And there you have it. Thank you very much, our wonderful sponsors. Um, I guess we should just go sh- dive straight into it. We have a we have um, two wonderful guests from another podcast joining us today. Um, it's Rob and jo- George from the Pilot Podcast. Hi. How you doing, chaps? Hi. Good morning. You okay? Very very well, thanks, mate. Um, I you're, feel like you're... the beard thing's my fault because I. I, I... Before we started, I, I lovingly complimented your beard, and I feel like I got in your head a little bit. <laughs> it's the first time I've had a nice compliment from it. Oh. <laughs> so, before we do anything, gents, and get into the top five, let's use this as an opportunity to tell some more people about your podcast. What can people expect from that? Tell us all about it. Well, we like to call it just, we're two 30-something-year-old idiots, aren't we? Just sort of talking about... It started off as the art of the television pilot, really, because... Um, We're both self-confessed nerds, really. Um, Obsessed with TV. We met at university many, many years ago. Yeah, how long ago now? I always lose track. About, like, 15 years ago? About that, yeah. And um, so we... I had the idea of way before the podcast of writing a book and because I've got a book and I tend to keep it in my bathroom when I'm having a poo and it's (laughs) 1001 movies to watch before you die and literally you can open it at any page and there's uh, there's like a whole thing about uh, the film, who directed it, what it's about, and then you know lots of different great facts about the film and things like that. And I wanted to do one about TV, and I've always been obsessed with like TV pilots because in TV pilots you have so much to do within sometimes half an hour, forty five minutes to an hour. It's introducing characters, your plot, different character arcs, and you've got to hook them by the end to watch episode two. So I was like, I'm going to do a book where we look at television pilots. Only one episode, the first episode of the particular series, does it work? What, you know, where does it go wrong? And obviously, the the future of the show, where did it go? Did it burn out? Did it fade away? Um, and then I just, I was sort of explaining that to Rob. And I think it was, I think it was Rob that gave me the idea. He was like, well, that's a podcast. <laughs> um, maybe not a book. And so, um, obviously lockdown hit and uh, quarantine and all of that so we were like well what better time to start from there and we literally started it as two mates talking about tv because it's one of the lockdown rules wasn't it that if you're as creative you had to <laughs> you had to do a podcast <laughs> okay um and so then it just kind of spun on from there so it was just for 
friends and family, you know, after the first couple of episodes, getting back to us and being like, oh, you know, we listened to your podcast well, the other day. Well, that actually was actually quite funny. That was, yeah, it's not too bad. And then suddenly, you know, now we listen to in like, uh, I think it's 44 different countries and we get messages from people in Australia or Texas saying, you know, oh, you know, we listen to your podcast every week and things like that. That's and strange. it's blown our minds a little bit. Yeah. Have you found that lockdowns affected the podcast? Well, to be honest, yeah. this is the first time we've been in person Since in November 2019. Yes, today. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because George, you're based in like Norfolk, aren't you? I am. And I'm a southeast boy, <laughs> southeast London. So we, we rarely see each other. Like, we've done all of it over Zoom and sort of. It started off until we'd done a few episodes. It was like, right, I had like this ramshackle setup where I was using an old camera with a mic on it because I had no other mic. <laughs> And my wife, being very smart, was like, don't spend any money on it until you guys actually stick with it. <laughs> but yeah, now now we're, we sort of uh, sit there and do the, the syncing up claps before each uh, episode. Yeah, and, uh, like like we did yeah, today. It's weird. So, so yeah. meeting up yeah. with each other today for the first time since 2019, have you realised how much you hate each other? Oh, I, I, I tell him every week during yeah. the podcast. It wouldn't have, it yeah. wouldn't have carried on if it wasn't. If it was in the same room, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's important to be transparent with them sort of things. I think you're very you know, transparent about how much you yeah. hate me. Yeah, <laughs> I, really I mean, I think it. we we established that long before the podcast was born. <laughs> I think when you was kicking me up the road in in Shoreditch, I just thought, you know, I fucking hate this geezer, and. Uh, <laughs> Stop bringing Do you know that what? up. I feel bad about it. It was like six years ago. <laughs> You don't hold a grudge. No. <laughs> we haven't actually been in a room together since then. Um, but, but we are, <laughs> next week we are, aren't we? Yes, yes. We're, we're calling a drunk cast next week, which should be a good giggle. Um, mm. yeah. Back to the old school. Yeah, back to the whiffin. You will be back round here uh, mm. with Pippikins, and uh, we'll be consuming <laughs> some alcohol and talking some absolute shit. I do apologise as well because I, I remember when you was giving out um, pop bibles, um, Stuart. It was at the BFI, and I think I did the most obvious double take, you know, like a sort of cartoony one. So I walked past, I got one off you, and I was like, "Oh, cheers!" And I sort of did a like, what? <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> "It's you." <laughs> Must have been. I think then you were in sat in our row. I was like, "Oh, oh my god!" I've just done the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> did Stu kick over your pint though, Rob? Because no. he gets what? a bit too big for his boots at the pod, at those BFI <laughs> things. He, one of our listeners came. He just bar kicked their pint. Was that Katie's pint? You just kicked. Uh, over? Uh, do you know what? I right? didn't say There's sorry. Not... Didn't do nothing. Didn't just. just I did say. Off. Do you know what? I did say. So, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? Like I think that's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't get over that. It took me about two weeks every time I thought of it, even when I was on my own, not to laugh out loud because I was so shocked at what I <laughs> what I was capable of and just completely unaware of just what a terrible human I was. And it was so surreal. I was just sitting talking to Katie because she's lovely and she supported the podcast from day one. And Katie likes a, you know, an IPA and she just bought this pint and sat down. And then... Somebody went to me. Can you come and do this? And I was like, "Yeah, no worries." So I went. I, I, I've got. A, I've got a shoot. And as I got up, I booted a pint over, <laughs> not on purpose, obviously. <laughs> and then 
when I'd done what I had to do, and when I come back down the escalator to it, I just looked down and Pip was on all fours cleaning <laughs> it up, and I just thought, oh, I'm terrible. Like, why did I not think I'd have to clear that? I don't know what... I, I can't get my head around it to this day. What a piece of shit uh, I, I was. And I've apologised to Katie countless times. And, uh, yeah. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right. Top five. What's it going to be? It'd best to be on topic for our podcast to do top five pilots. Stick with what you know. Stick with what you know. Yeah. I mean, we've we've never yeah. learned that lesson, but that is a flipping <laughs> great top five, lads. Um, did a bit of prep for this myself just so I could throw a couple in, and um, yeah, it's a, it's an incredible top five. Um, your podcast must be a lot of fun to to do. If you need a, if you need someone else to join you, I mean, I'm pretty tired of this one, so I'll, I'll come over. Um, <laughs> But top, top five pilots. Could you imagine if we uh, if we decided uh, we was going to have a trial separation? <laughs> how much we will be whoring ourselves on other people's podcasts just, just to podcasts. feed our egos? You'd be right. You've got about twelve other podcasts. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be like knocking from door to door, like tapping up Rich Wilson and Brett. Like, all right, come to play. Not really. <laughs> about films <laughs> I'm having a circumcision soon we could talk about that I don't think there's uh, there's not much you can't get many hours out of that although we have we've, we've, we've been dining out on that for about four weeks now so. plenty more to come it ain't even D-Day yet they have got the aftermath and everything <laughs> oh I can't wait <laughs> I reckon our Patreon would go through the roof. If we'd done some kind of sort of um, weekly video update on that, that would be amazing. <laughs> or, that's where we should launch our OnlyFans, just looking at your uh, your butchered pecker. That would be brilliant. Foreskin. Um, hello, Mum. <laughs> she just come in the room. Um, I'm, I'm recording a, a, a podcast today, a radio show. All right? Cool. <laughs> Um, so, well, shall we begin? Pecker. Shall we start with your number five? So this is a joint effort, chaps, isn't it? It's a joint, joint. 
But there might have been a few arguments yeah. over where, where you positioned everything. And I think so. Yeah, there was, yeah. You might, you might hear the aftershock of some of them, I think, as we're <laughs> reading them out. It's, that's a difficult thing. As soon as Stu was like, oh, yeah, do a combined one. I was like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> Well, yeah, sorry, I think the top the top two have already been debated. They've been shuffled about, yeah. <laughs> right, number mm-hmm. five, let's do it. Uh, so number five, we've gone with what is arguably one of the greatest TV shows of all time as well. We've gone Breaking Bad. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, you know, if we were doing, like, let's say a podcast on the top, ti- the top five TV shows of all time, uh, I think personally we'd be discussing this, you know, a lot, way more into the episode, I think. Um, because basically it's, you know, it's one hell of a way to uh, start and set up a uh, a TV show. that It kind of wants to, right from the very beginning, it wants to defy what your typical TV show lead or a protagonist is. So, you know, you've got the showrunner of Breaking Bad. Uh, he's the creator as well, a man named uh, Vince Gilligan. Um, he was a bit bored of, you know, like your typical char- main characters' journeys or their character arc in, you know, TV shows, mainly dramas or anything like that. Um, and he said that, you know, the main character is always in the same state throughout the TV show, really. Um, and there's always maybe some hesitance on the creator's side to change their characters, in particular their their leads. Um, you know, because A, they don't want to upset the audience and B, they don't want to upset, you know, the show sort of status quo really um so you know before he even knew the plot of what breaking bad would be he wanted to make a tv show that would start with our protagonist you know being the the hero and by the end of the show be the villain um so this pilot has quite a bit of you know it's got a bit of extra work on its hands really um and i think that's why we've had to include it because you know much like all pilots there's a hell of a lot of groundwork to cover here so you not only do we have to get introduced to all of our characters uh we have to get set up to the world of breaking bad you know the world of albuquerque um and you know if it doesn't get this right the show fails straight away because it has to make us sympathize with these characters really because if we don't sympathize with walter white the the show just doesn't work does it no i think like he described it as taking mr rogers to scarface was his goal for for the whole show and i think like you've they do this whole thing, which we've noticed as well. Doing the like our our show, that there's a lot of podcasts that start with the the end, really, mm. don't they? So you see him at the beginning of that episode. He's sort of got a gun in mm. hand, everything's gone tits up, and then we flash back to see how it could ever get to there. And it's mm-hmm. a brilliant way of just grabbing you by the ghoulies. It really is. your uncircumcised penis. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> and getting you into the episode. <laughs> what? Um, what's the flashback is it after one of their first cooks in the desert and it is yeah that's what, and it sort of loops right around just to the end of the first episode so as a pilot it works as a standalone piece as well so but then it but then it kind of it's a nice starting ground for you know for the rest of the show as well because you know if any uh, character in a tv show is a you know like essentially a meth cooking drug dealer you know it's, it's basically the most addictive drug uh, and most one of the most dangerous drugs in america really if that's your main character you're gonna be like fuck this guy you know but <laughs> after spending 45 you know 50 minutes with walter we get to see in this pilot episode his home life He's got uh, a handicapped son. Um, he uh, his career is like one of America's top leading scientists. Uh, that that career is down the drain. He's now teaching 
yeah, he's teaching high school science to kids that could give less of a shit, really. Um, his wife is then pregnant. The bills, you know, are way overdue. And then he finds out he has terminal cancer. So, you know, by the end of this pilot, we go from our usual what would be, you know, fuck this guy to, you know, go on, what will you cook that meth? Yeah. <laughs> I think it helps that he was in Malcolm in the Middle and lots of people knew him as Hal beforehand. Yeah. And it, that sort of, like, deep-rooted love of such a lovable character. Like, he mm. could, you know... He, well, he does. He cooks meth and kills people and all sorts. <laughs> and people go, oh, yeah, love him. Well, but he's got was a brilliant character himself. <laughs> it, it shows Brian Cranston such a great actor because how was hysterical? Yeah. But it was such. It was a really big change. Um, and it, because of that, uh, there was actually quite a bit of resistance with Vince Gilligan initially casting Brian Cranston because. Um, Vince Gilligan, he was asked many years ago before Breaking Bad, he was uh, to write and direct an episode of X-Files. And he did, and it was called Drive. And he ended up casting um, Brian Cranston in the lead just for that one episode. And that's how they got to know each other. And so then when uh, they came up with Breaking Bad and they started casting, Vince Gilligan was straight away like, I want Brian Cranston in the lead. And at the time, he was Hal, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, basically the slapstick um, of of that show. And they just, they couldn't see it. And Vince Gilligan was quite adamant right from the get-go. It has to be Brian Cranston. And, you know, well, the rest is history, really. Oh, that's full respect to Gilligan for sticking to his guns there. And, and, and that's really mm. knowing knowing your sort of, like, art, isn't it? Being able to pick someone out like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. I Weirdly, this morning, talking about Breaking Bad, I, I saw a really sad, tragic picture of uh, the, the, the van that they use um, has been broken down now. It's barely, there's barely anything left of it. Oh, scrappy, like, who hasn't? Like, that's so iconic. That thing I've seen it on so many. Just t-shirts. about the same. Who yeah, didn't iconic, buy that? Yeah. Oh no, it's mental. Someone would have bought that, surely. Yeah, mad, crazy. Can you imagine like owning the number plate of that <laughs> and that as like a, <laughs> yeah, keep it up in your living room? That'd be incredible. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Huh? I've got, to, I've got to admit something though. Uh, I didn't think Breaking Bad was that good. <gasps> how much how much did you watch of it um i dialed out pretty much after the scene with the fly um oh the oh. the ep- the episode with the yeah. fly yeah, yeah okay yeah uh, that was quite a divisive one yeah i i just kind of got to that point and i was i was, I was getting a little bored with it already and and I, do you know what? I think some of it comes down to the fact that everyone was telling me it's the greatest thing you'll ever see on television. And yeah, that can make and you go so, the opposite way sometimes. I think just my expectations were so high. Like mm. I was thinking, like I've not like and everybody that um, who, whose opinions on TV and film, you know, I respect, all said it was good. Chris did as well, and like <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that like. That, yeah, there was, uh, and it just for me just fell a little bit short, and I know I'm in a massive minority there, but it was really weird as you was explaining about that pilot. Just hearing that again and making me think of that first episode because when that first episode finished, I remember thinking, "Fucking hell, this is incredible," mm-hmm. yeah. and it just it just petered out for me. And I know I'm in the minority, but uh, you had a lot of friends ones to watch though, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely, man. I've got just rewatching season eight. <clears throat> Hype plays a massive part, though, because um, there's there's been loads of classic TV shows that we haven't seen and we've always wanted to dive into, but we've yeah. always said to each other, "No, we're going to wait. We're going to wait till we record it on the pilot." 
because there's um, like Six Feet Under. That's one of Rob's favourite shows, and I've never seen it. And I'd love to jump into the show, but we're not going to do it until we cover it on pilot season. So um, we had an issue, uh, an episode recently, where we were going to watch the first episode of The Wire. Oh yeah. And obviously that's now known as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And I've built it up to Rob. It's all on the, the top of the poles and things like that. And then it got what Rob watched the pilot. I've and, never seen any of it before. Yeah. And then was a bit maybe underwhelmed. Yeah, because I think everyone had sort of like I I'm still aware it could be like well it probably is one of the best shows ever. But the first episode is quite a slow burn. It's so I've got to mad, Yeah, it's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I love the metaphor. The very first scene in the I I actually thought like of, would I include that in my top five? And it, it doesn't make it because I think it's only although the very first scene is brilliant. It's like a metaphor for what Baltimore's yeah. like. And um, the whole world as a whole, and um, it's so understated and such a slow burner. It's only when you look back on it. It, my, my, I got my tried to get my girlfriend into watching the wire. We've seen season one, season two. Not many people like. I f- love season two, and yeah. um, and but it's killed my girlfriend off. The agreement we made a pack. Um, she would watch the wire with me, um, and I would watch the OC. I've watched. All four seasons of the OC, by the way, they're all an hour long and there's 24 episodes a fucking season. And now and now my girlfriend's pulled her dick out my ass on, on the wire and just been like, no, I'm not watching that now. I'm like, what you... F- I've had to watch so much the OC. Um, so she, could, she... It was a bit too slow for her, but I, I, I think it's incredible. But I, I do think the, the pilot episode, Rob, I can understand why you'd be a bit like, yeah. meh. I really do think... I, I could see it was like it's so well made, and I could, I like, I know it's going to be an all timer. But if you just look at it from isolation of what that first episode did, if someone was like, "Would you watch episode two based on that first one?" I'm like, I don't know yeah. if it hooks me in enough. Mm. Get it? I, I like, get I it. don't know. Yeah. You've watched season three, just though, season... under. What's that, mate? Uh, sorry, I'm just stunned that you've watched just under a hundred hours of the OC. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, do you That's... know what? It's all right. It's it's quite fun. Like. What well, you, you'd hope it'd be alright if you're going to watch 100 hours you know, of it. You know, you sort of like do things for your partner, and you like you know they're into it, so you give it that little bit extra enthusiasm. Well, obviously I do that for my girlfriend, not not the other way around. But I actually find it really funny. And if you if you enjoy TV shows and how uh, how um, films are written and story arcs and structures, the OC is hysterical because you can start predicting it really quickly mm. by always saying. What is literally the worst thing that could happen this very second? And so many times I turn to Molly and go, he's going to get shot. And she's like, how do you know? And I'm like, because literally that's the dumbest, worst thing that could happen right now. <laughs> and um, and then they get shot. And I'm like, told you. And, uh, it's, mm-hmm. But it's good fun. It is quite trashy American yeah. fun. I watched it when it was first on. I remember me and a friend of mine were obsessed with it because we was the, the age that, thinking the age, yeah, the people playing it were at the same age as us and not like yeah. 30 and so we were like 15 watching it and go oh this is just like our life this in Bexley Heath <laughs> South East London all the girl problems they have and, oh. <laughs> which one's Seth which one's Ryan oh, so funny. <laughs> well we had a tip we had a very different uh, uh, a little sorry we had a very um, similar scenario to you actually Chris here because some of the pilots, um, I end up watching them with my girlfriend too. And we watched, uh, it was the pilot episode of Dawson's Creek. 
So it got to the end of it, and I was, I was like, eh. I said, I don't think I'll continue watching it. And she was like, Well, no, I think I'm, I think I'm going to here actually. <laughs> so I had to, you know, sit through six seasons and 128 episodes. But I was just, but I, I know, but I was just going in and out. I wasn't taking any notice. Every time I'd walk into the damn living room, she was watching it, and I'd have to focus on something else. So I could only really remember the pilot episode. And then I got in from work one day, and I was like, I'm just going to sit on the sofa, grab my laptop, do some work. And she was like, can I put on Dawson's Creek? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. She went, but it's the last ever episode. Are you sure you don't want to get spoiled? And I said, I've basically only seen the pilot. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be fussed. So she's watching the finale and I'm on the laptop and I keep looking over to see what's happening. Okay, this is, yeah, okay. Carry on. And by the end, the end, <laughs> this show ends so sadly. <laughs> she turns around. She's com- she's completely stoic face. She's like, oh, this is a... You know, that ended quite nicely. She looks around to me and my laptop is just shaking on my lap because I'm sobbing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen the pilot episode and the next episode watched was the finale and I'm a mess. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Ridiculous. That must be a half-decent episode then to catch you, catch you like that. It broke, it broke my I heart. Oh, I don't take much. It doesn't take uh, much to break same. me nowadays, I'm, actually. I'm terrible. Oh. I, I You're tell breaking you the, sad uh, to bring it. That, yes. That one of the, the, the saddest um, finale episodes you will ever watch. Um, I don't know if it's a bit before your time, lads. Um, mm. But the last ever episode of The Wonder Years uh, will uh, break you in half. I oh. love The Wonder Years. That's such a good show. Oh my I used to God. watch it with my dad. Yeah, so it's... good. So good. And that last episode. There's one that's episode. on our list. I keep telling George that we have to do it one day. It's, it's really uh, hard to find it, though. Like, cause I've tried mm. to buy it, and like, you can't get it anywhere. I've been looking for the Wonder Years for years, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, can't seem to find it. Because I hope it's one of them ones that, if you did go back and watch it, it still delivers. Because it's got, mm. I've got such fondness for it, and I just hope it hasn't dated badly. Which is very much the case. The other night, when couldn't sleep, come downstairs, slung the telly on. One of the kind of retro comedy shows was on, uh, channels were on, and I thought, oh, men behaving badly. That was so brilliant in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I've Not done that. so good now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit dated. I'll give yeah. That. Yeah. The theme song's still banging, though. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> really is. Talk the Wonder Years. There was that rumour, there was that urban myth that Marilyn Manson played his best friend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For years. I believed that I until did. very recently. I did. It's just. Yeah. Way past Google being invented, I didn't bother to check it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's, that's a fact. Definitely, definitely. He was very good at that, and why he continued as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Went a very different route. Um, right, number four. Uh, yeah, go, you go. Should we go one. with this? Yeah, we've gone for the, the British office rather than the US one, because the US office is the same, Yeah, but second. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> But yeah, the, it's it's one of those shows. I think. I th- do you remember watching it at the time? Because I remember we. I remember I caught it. It's one of those things I caught it midway through an episode, really late at night. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what this thing was. I thought it was real. It was until... like ten o'clock, BBC Two, something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and obviously, the, like at the time, the cast are pretty much unknown. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, and it was so. The precision on it of how like I didn't realize until years later when I worked in an office how excruciatingly on on yeah. point it is. we've all known a brent we've all known a brent it's yeah it's one because i my, my story of the office as well like my when I, I first worked in an office this guy 
one other person on my team who seems to have watched The Office and everyone else seemed completely oblivious to it so we just went around addicted to doing Brentisms like purposefully it's <laughs> so like you're about to walk, leave The Office you go huh what people <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I did, I did. so huh and then, like years after working with him he's now my next door neighbour so occasionally you'll be, I'll be about to leave the block of flats and you hear what what's that <laughs> yeah what <laughs> Trying to outbred each other, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's so many great moments in that, and it sets up everything of what that show was. Yeah, massively. The, the rivalry between um, you know Tim and Gareth, and he said Jim and Dwight. Then Jesus, we <laughs> <laughs> got lynched. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole sort of like burgeoning romance between Dawn and Tim. Yep. Everything was so well like set up, and obviously, yeah, Brett is an iconic character from the beginning. Like. Yeah, and again, you know, there's probably a pattern here in some of our choices, but um, you know, it's a, it's another pilot that has so much to do in so little time. Um, you know, other pilots they have the usual hard work of, you know, like I said, setting up these large amount of characters, but this one has to kind of sell it's the concept too, doesn't it? Because yeah. uh, mockumentaries, you know, they're sort of commonplace now. Uh, but you know, this was 2001 when The Office came out. I think and that Operation Good Guys was just before it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird because they had no laughter track on the first season of that. And then I think because it wasn't like as well known, obviously, to get the sort of attention the office got, the second mm-hmm. series they put a laughter track on. Yeah. Because it was more traditional. And then the office took off and it must have been like, oh, for God's sake, we was on the right track. And yeah. We just like... Shout <laughs> out to Operation Good Guys, though. That's, That's a, a great show. fucking incredible show. And obviously, yeah, that was written funny. by um, Ray Burdis, wasn't it? Mm. And and obviously Ray Dunn, Love on and a Bay, and uh, yeah, what a mm-hmm. what a fucking genius he is. And I believe Ray Burdis is just about to release a film, which is uh, the kind of second. It's almost it's not the follow up to, but it's if I'm right, it's it's kind of a, a kind of modern day Quadrophenia. Uh, oh, he wow. wrote the book a while ago, I believe. And uh, did Ray write the book? But he's made the film, and I saw the trailer for it. And speaking of men behaving badly in Quadrophenia, Leslie Ash is in the new one as well. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've seen that Ray Burdis has been doing. But, yeah, shout out to Operation Good Guys. I say uh, it's a cracking show. If, if people like The Office and want to know where that sort of, like, the roots of that, mm. uh, watch it, especially yeah. the first season of Operation Good Guys is, is spot on. It's really funny. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of The Office, you know, much like Breaking Bad, I think a lot of the success, you know, it rides on the performance of the lead again. So, you know, Ricky Gervais as David Brent, because he is such a tightrope of a character, isn't he? Like, he's, because he's a knobhead, isn't he, essentially? But Gervais plays it with just enough charm and sincerity, I think, where it it helps the character work. And obviously, I think you're you're turning on episode two just to see Ricky Gervais, aren't you? I think a lot of that, if you was to look at the script, I can imagine, of that first episode, you gave that to anyone else it would be really unlikable because you wouldn't have those extra sort of improv bits that Gervais mm-hmm. can't help but throw in. It's like the pointing at the monkey and be like, monkey, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. Like, and all the, like, I know there's a whole bit where he's in the he's in the office with um, with Dawn and with, oh, what's her name? His boss, basically. Yeah. And he keeps adding these little lines before they start the scene about buying 10 ties for, for like, a tenner from Monkey Allen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all these little bits that he added that sort of, like, make him sympathetic and you... It's the sort of knowing he's on camera is the mm-hmm. key element. Because yeah. as soon as he sort of like, he tries to rein in his sort of worse instincts just to 
because he doesn't want to be seen as on PC or get cancelled. Or, or he yeah, doubles definitely. down, doesn't he? You know, he, yeah. he, he doubles down and actually exposes himself for the big that he are is. Filthy. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that um, I, I mean the casting on that show was was incredible. I was listening to um, uh. Oh God! Uh, who plays Tim? What's, his, uh, what's the actor's Martin name? Martin Freeman. Um, Martin Freeman on Desert Island Discs last week, and he still says that's you know that show's responsible for so much you know for him and for uh, and for British comedy, and I just think the casting of him is incredible, and to cast Mackenzie as Gareth like he's just pure genius. Oh that, my God! Yeah. That that character. He's unbelievable. I think and that's can as good only... acting as Brent with uh, like, so being unlikable. Like, like, yeah, you, have you guys absolutely. watched The Protectress and seen Mackenzie Crook? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so distinctly that's, different. Sorry, Stu, to jump in. And, and, and yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's so difficult to be able to get across, like, all of the things, you know, and the vulnerabilities of him, the vulnerabilities of when the IT guy is in and you can see that Gareth's trying to win his affection and his attention yeah. and it's just and he's just getting nowhere. I mean, that's one of the most iconic scenes in The Office, in my opinion. It's Matt Holness, isn't it? It's he's so good. It's so, so good. good. <laughs> I've seen him in Way of the Dragon. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, can, can only be... I, I think the only other character that's got anywhere near being that much of a dick that likable that hated that cringeworthy is Dwight like yeah. you know the, the, again the, I mean you, you said about the, the the American office and the you know the first is it first maybe two two and a half episodes are, are, yeah. are obviously very similar to the first few of the UK I, office wrong, I love the American office it's one of my favorite shows and of, it, of all time but yeah. It just soars as it, and it just gathers momentum. That show, I think, the more and and there's a, a wider array of characters in the U.S. office as well, and I think you just kind of get lost in them. But yeah, but just to pull it back to the the, the U.K. office, that that first episode, like, blew my socks off. Like, I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I guess in in retrospect, after what we've just said, maybe Operation Good Guys, you know, was was along them lines. But yeah, but just. The li- yeah, they say them little things, isn't it? When he just kind of, mm. it's the one when he's sitting in the office with the uh, the area manager as well, and he keeps looking at her legs, and he just yeah. is aware of it, and he's <laughs> trying like not to, and she pulls him, and then he stares again and looks up. It's so horrible. Yeah, yeah it's just you, you, <laughs> I don't know what it is. You just kind of, and and to finish on what I was going to say about Brent. And the the genius of that of how and what, when Chris was saying he will double down, you never see the cracks until life on the road, and then when you see him come out of therapy and he mm. said he had a breakdown, I didn't see that coming, and that really jarred me. And That's I was what like, makes those moments hit more. Like I yeah. think in series two, you got that bit where. Yo, know, it goes from talking about upstairs, downstairs, his game show with David Brent. <laughs> and then the next second, he's like, please don't make me redundant. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, heartbreaking. They, they play with yeah. the pathos of like the, you know, and then two seconds later, he stood in the, the massive bird costume. And he, I've got to go out there dressed, dressed like this, create laughter. Have the so photos, good. and then the photographer, they probably won't use them anyway. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love them. Um, as well, that first episode starts with uh, Neil Fitzmaurice, doesn't it? As the person he sort of 
the first episode he's bringing him in and he's doing the whole like um, of course he's got the license he gives the test and all this sort of thing <laughs> and then the last episode of series one he's firing him he's the first person to be made redundant yeah. <laughs> just so I love those moments of a pilot when it sort of sets those seeds of something later on that you don't yep. even realise is going to be a big thing you and for it's... a show that's like basically it's designed to be a mockumentary to then this isn't this isn't the pilot episode but then to introduce what you'd least expect from this show is essentially a villain of the show in Chris Finch. Oh yeah, I think is incredible as well. And you know, I haven't actually seen the American Office. It's one of one we're of those shows it, yeah. we're waiting as well. Is there like a Chris Finch type yeah. character? But, yeah, right. but not as um, it's the guy from uh, uh, Camp Kind, did it from Anchorman? Yeah, from Anchorman, <laughs> David yeah. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's Todd Packer? He's Todd nice. Packer, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> What a great name. <laughs> Who's got two thumbs and bangs your mum? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wonderful. Throw one in, because it's a tenuous link from a Dwight, a Dwight, Dwight Schultz saying, which is Beats Bears and Battlestar Galactica. I've got a T-shirt with that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Stu, Stu and people always be oh that nerd sci-fi shit and, um, but when they did the new Battlestar Galactica which is not new it was like 2004 it, like, the pilot was actually like a little mini series like, it was about three hours long yeah. and uh, it was just it was really good it was like a little movie it set up like the whole of the whole how they were going to do Battlestar Galactica moving forwards uh, yeah. it showed like the Cylons returning after like a hundred years and destroying the 12 mm-hmm. colonies and I just thought that was a, a, an amazing thing. I don't know if you guys have watched that, if you've got any plans. Yeah, yeah I think it's an incredible concept, an incredible pilot. Yeah, almost starts as like a film, doesn't it? Instead of like a, 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 a typical pilot episode. And the concept of it and selling that to an audience is amazing. Of Here's all your main characters. Here's, you know, we sympathise with them all. Here's their character arcs. Here's their romances, their potential romances. And then ending it on, oh, and any of these could be a villain as well. Is just, what, what a hook. Yeah, it really is. The thought that anyone could be the Cylons and there, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it's so good. I might have to go back and watch it again soon. I think been I probably haven't seen it for like fifteen years. Yeah, it's incredible. And, uh, That's, yeah, I, I think what's doing that on the show. I think. Have you seen it, Rob? Have you watched it yourself? I've not. No, it's one of those. I'm like, I know when it came out, I was like, I, I, this is going to be my cup of tea. So I grew up watching Star Trek a lot. Um, but I kind of gone off sci-fi at that point because it's just sort of run out. I felt like it, it had run out of steam. And then that came out, and everyone was like. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. I need to just sit sit down and I, I, we're doing it for the show, and I've got a feeling it's going to be one of those. I'm going to carry on just what. There's been a few that we've sort of watched, and I've gone right. I'm going to watch all of it now. Which Mr. Robot, I'm currently blitzing my way through. Yeah, because it, the first episode caught me caught me off guard, and I was like, right, this is that's all I'm watching now. So every week when we talk about what we're watching, I'm like, I'm yeah. still watching Mr. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Pitt kept re- recommending that to me. I, I need to watch that. Definitely. It's a great show. It's a good pilot as well. Number three. Uh, yes, yeah, so the number three we've had to go with is 24. Uh, because, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you looked at well, what, what TV shows, what were the biggest TV shows on TV at the time around, you know, 2000, 2001? So you've got uh, The West Wing was out, uh, Stargate, SG-1, X-Files, Will and Grace, like ER and uh, The Sopranos as well. There's some great TV shows on that list, you know, for sure. Um, none really like breaking the mold of what TV can be or what it could be or anything like that. So then we've covered this on the um, pilot season as well. Because then, then it came uh, the pilot of 
of 24, which was, you know, it's a, it's a promise to the viewers that, you know, you're about to watch 24 hours, of, you know, the worst 24 hours of this man's life, essentially. So, you know, f- for anyone, you know, that doesn't know, like, the concept of 24, you know, well, firstly, shame on you. Uh, but the, the basic concept is that this season was going to be set entirely over, you know, just one day. Well, you know, every episode's being, like, an hour long, 45 minutes, yeah. if you include the adverts. Um, and the first episode is going to start at midnight. And then so you know over the course of 24 episodes, by the time we finish the season, we're going to go full circle again and we're going to end at midnight again. And, you know, it's a it's a concept that, you know, audiences just kind of went nuts for, really. That It ran for, I think, eight episodes in uh, nine, nine ten years it was on. Yeah. Um, so... You know, it introduces this like completely like original concept, like I said, um, and it's never going to work if the pilot isn't ripping, if it's not uh, exciting, and it's it's all set up in this, and it's handled in this pilot so strongly because obviously, first we get introduced to Jack Bauer. He's he's our he's our lead of a show played by Kiefer Sutherland. He's the head of uh, the CTU, the Counter Terrorism Unit, uh, in Los Angeles. And it's the day before the presidential primary in Los Angeles. So then they receive this intel that one of the candidates, uh, David Palmer, is going to get... There's going to be a hit on his life in, you guessed it, well, 24 hours. Uh, so they introduce this this ticking clock scenario, essentially, in a show that is also literally a ticking clock. Uh, and uh, just everything works in the pilot. The pace um, of it is just the pace of it is unreal. Like shit off a shovel, doesn't it? <laughs> like, as soon as it uh, like we recently rewatched it for the podcast, and you know, even just talking about it now and making some notes on it earlier on and rewatching it yesterday, I just really want to watch it again. Yeah, and that first season, especially, it does have some silly moments. Mm-hmm. There's moments where it has the OC effect, though. So I'm now going to coin it because of you. But <laughs> where you think, what's going to happen here? What's the dumbest thing that can happen? <laughs> Oh, his wife's got amnesia. That'll last a few hours, yeah. surely. She'll oh. get over that. <laughs> his daughter's now going to get chased by a like a cougar. I think that, yeah, as in the animal, not a no, a, not, a, not, not, not a horny house. housewife. Not, not a horny housewife. <laughs> I think that's series two as well. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I think with twenty four is it's got this weird thing where the even numbered series are really dog shit, but the odd numbered ones are really good. Oh, that's so true. That's yeah. so true. Like the yeah. Star Trek movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I just remember how much of a big thing it was when it came out. Because mm-hmm. I think BBC Two had it, and for them it was like a, a massive thing. Yeah. And um, everyone was talking about it. Everyone was hooked. Mm. But it's still, like you watch it now, there are some bits of dialogue that are a bit guff. It's, oh. it, it, there's loads of exposition in there. Because mm. it, 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 so much happens in one episode, you'll always find the first five minutes of your next episode yeah. is characters talking about something that, if in real time, happened a couple of seconds ago. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah it's a, it falls a bit there, doesn't it? Yeah, I just think the way they, especially in that first, like the first episode, there's certain bits where they really lean into the, the dual shots where you got... Um, is it Mason? He's in the Jack shot him with a tranquilizer dart, and of course he's he has <laughs> knocked out in the office. And you're sort of doing like this cut between sort of Jack trying to find out what's going on, and mm-hmm. and he, you know, when he, they say didn't they, he's got half hour yeah. until he wakes up, and you know there's half hour left of the episode. Mm-hmm. If you episode two, <laughs> Mason's gonna wake up and he's gonna be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> and they they're really good in those early series of doing that where everything happened in real time. So like if if Jack needed to get to the other side of town. 
that took him one or two, you know. He'd always say, give me 15 minutes. So then you know that character's now going to be in jeopardy for literally 15 minutes. Yeah, whereas like later on, it's like he could be... I think there's an episode, I think in Series 6, spoilers for a Series 6 of <laughs> 24, where a nuke goes off in Los Angeles. And it's like mm-hmm. this big moment. And Jack's like, I think he calls up and he's like, I, I quit. I can't, I can't do this. Um, and then the next episode, he's ringing someone else up. And he's like, a nook's gone off in Los Angeles. <laughs> and he's like saving someone from a rooftop. But yeah. like mere seconds later, I don't know how he got up there. There's just all this stuff going on. And it sort of just jumps around like mm-hmm. all over the shop. Whereas these early series, it's a lot more. And he's not so cartoony. As yeah, well. definitely how that was directed and edited together was kind of like, yeah. It was quite revolution. It was quite, yeah, it revolutionized uh, TV for a little bit because, you know, they also used, you know, multiple cameras whilst shooting every scene and things like that. So, you know, all the cameras were sort of hand handheld as well. So it brought this really like kinetic energy to the show. Um, it, you know, with all the cameras with the split screen and all the cameras handheld, it also gave this sense that anything could happen at any time yeah. or anything like that. Um, yeah, and there's there's even parts during the pilot where obviously it's split screen. But then we, we even go into like four different sections in the screen. So every corner of the screen was one of our lead characters doing something. So it creates the show and it turns it into like this almost living, breathing thing, doesn't it? And David Palmer as well. Yeah. Like, so Dennis Haysbert's performances. Because mm-hmm. this came out um, just before... It got delayed because of 9-11, didn't it? it did. We, we yeah. discovered that. And it was like, because there's a big... Bane explosion in the first episode, which is all like, yeah, I completely understand why they. Mm. But even you just look at the the plot of, you know, it's something that's counter terrorism at that time. It's it's insane. But he was the perfect man for that part, and he's even in that just first episode, he's got gravitas coming out of his ass, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, not literally, but <laughs> <laughs> just any he does all these little things. Like it's a moment where he closes the door on his wife. Doesn't say a single word, but in the script, it's as simple as David Palmer closes the door. <laughs> but it's the most dramatic thing ever. <laughs> He's brilliant. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I could listen to that guy talk all day. Mm-hmm. He's now playing the devil as well, isn't he? In um, Lucifer. Oh, is he? Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I'll say Gravitas. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I recently uh, re-watched, like, literally two weeks ago, rewatched the first uh, couple of episodes of season one. That show um, blew my mind. Uh, blew my mind so much that at the time... Um, 
we was considering naming our next child if it was a boy, Jack. Purely. <laughs> and that's a completely... And I, we, we was discussing, could we get away with Bower Whiffin? Would that work? <laughs> like it, it, That show made such a dent. Like it, it really did. And at the time, we was going to the video shop and you could get... You'd hire it on VHS and you would get three episodes uh, on a yes. cassette. Yeah. And we would literally... Like at the time my wife was pregnant and we would sit there and watch it and then the last episode, every episode ends on the most fucking ridiculous cliffhanger <laughs> and it was like, it's 10 to 9, can I get to the video shop and get the next one? And like, and you just get there and if it wasn't in, it was like, fuck my life. That's like, like an episode what, of 24 in itself. It really was. It, it, it really was. Uh, Jack's like, son of a bitch. Absolutely. I mean, she we all start torturing one of the blockbuster staff as they came out of the car park to go home. Sticks a biro in his kneecap. And also, you know, you start to not trust people, you know, because you, you fall in love with Nina and, you know, and all these characters and, and then they all end up turning out, spoiler alert, they're, 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 all, they're all rogues. And yeah, it's... Uh, but it became it's, such a thing because it, before every new season was announced, they'd announce the cast list. They'd, they'd announce like 10 members of, oh, here's who's going to be in the next season. Yeah. And already you'd be like, who's going to be the mole? Who's yeah. going to be the mole? It became yeah. a thing and everyone was just hooked by it. Yeah. But we've got, I've got so many great memories attached mm. to 24 and watching it when I was younger. But one of the biggest emotions I feel when I talk about 24 is anger. Because I remember, I don't think I've even told no, you this. Um, when I introduced it to my dad, I was like, this is right up your alley, 24. So I gave him the DVD season one. And he got like a few episodes into it. I was like, how are you finding it? He was like, I'm loving this. This is great. Right up my alley. Thanks for introducing it to me. Perfect. A couple of weeks later, I was like, how far did you get on 24? He's like, gave up. I was like, oh, for God's sake. How far did you get? I finished episode 23. I was like... (laughs) And you gave up? Yeah, yeah, just got bored of it. I said, it's it's called fucking 24. Just watch watch the last episode, please. No, I'm bored of it. Oh, just winds me up. Oh, that's incredible. Dad blue balled you. Yeah. Right to the end. Can you imagine it? I I thought when I rewatched it, though, well, I only watched two. I didn't carry on. Um, it didn't. It didn't hold up. Like I, I didn't think so. I mm. and I loved that show so much. And maybe I've just got such fond memories of it that when we watched it again, just up twenty years later, it just. I don't know. Maybe there's been so many more shows similar to that since mm-hmm. that you know. But you know that was definitely twenty four the... reminds me a bit like a um a, a hot like a good horror film that's really only got two viewings in it like there's some yeah. of my favourite horror films I came out of the cinema like The Descent for example like I came out mm. of the cinema I gave that a 9 out of 10 I, I loved it as a horror film and the premise but after a couple of watchings there's not much left to, I felt to go back to on it because mm-hmm. a lot of it is in the you know the, the shock not, value not and stuff like that exactly yeah. in the shock and, it, yeah. like, and I think t- 24 was a bit like that it's like very much like guys in the moment but then once that's happened, you feel that there's not as much depth to it. And and actually, that's kind of thing with the opposite. It's like the opposite of The Wire. Like The Wire, it's so well, they're so well structured, the plot and the characters, that mm. you're, it never ends. Half the time it ends, and it's like, it ends on a nothing, absolute nothing note. And yet you're still like, yeah. fuck, I've got to watch that. Whereas 24 was the complete opposite. It was like a sugary candy treat. It was like, 
Mm. I'm going to force you to want to watch the next episode by going, <laughs> oh, is Jack Power about to die? Tune in on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of think that's why it is, Stu. It has a certain... It's a little bit more shallow in a sense. Mm. But yeah. that, I'm not trying to crit. I'm not, I'm not trying to oh, no, have no. a go. Like twenty four was re- was was a gr- was a really great watch. Um, I, pro- mm. I probably got to about fourth or fifth season, and then I was a bit like, "How many more times are they going to sell out Jack Bauer? He's a hero, <laughs> goddamn it!" <laughs> they kind um, of like diluted their own show a bit because, like, mm. by the time they're doing, I think I, I spoke to my dad about it. And I was like, "Oh, you still watching twenty four? Oh, I think season, series seven was really good," and he he was like. Yeah, but it's it's a bit annoying that he just manages to solve everything really neatly within twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. Like like it sort of loses that real time. Absolutely. Um Yeah, the, 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 the premise the premise on. has has it it's again a very catchy premise mm. that can wear thin and eventually you sort of like jump in the shark. The third yeah. series had like the best ending one of my favourite endings. If we were doing the best endings of a series This would be up there. Series for sure. three I think would be up there. Where, like, again, spoilers for Series 3 of 24, but... Fuck yourself if you haven't seen it. It's been out for fucking ages. But um, it just gets to the end of the day and he just sits in his car and fucking cries. (laughs) And it's like, that's that's exactly what the ending of a... After you've gone through that day Mm -hmm. and you've seen all this shit, that yeah. should be how the, it ends. And I kind of thought, that's the only way at 24 could ever end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do that when I finish work. Yeah. Let alone Jack Bauer having <laughs> worked 24 hours of his life. Sopping your heart out. Yeah. yeah. Working your blockbuster. <laughs> I should yeah. also point out the, uh, the the effect that that show had on on my family and 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 my wife was uh, if she opened her purse instead of a photo of me, there was a photo of Jack Bauer. No. <laughs> That's not a lie. That's not a lie. It's amazing. The nicest uh, compliment anyone's ever gave me is they said I look like Kiefer Sutherland. I was like, I'll take that. Instead of like you look like a homeless gnome. <laughs> <laughs> I get a discount on James McAvoy or Big McAvoy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, Rob. Oh, that is amazing. Big McAvoy. <laughs> Big McAvoy. You get um, oh, Ben here Mitchell. We go. Yeah, so Ben Mitchell from EastEnders, when they recast him from the little boy to um, an older one, I was on holiday in Dubai and I was literally leaving a nightclub in Dubai, in the Middle East, in the middle of a fucking desert. I'm getting into a taxi from a nightclub and this guy goes, Hey, Mitchell! <laughs> and I look around, I'm like, what? He's like, Ben Mitchell! No, mate, no, definitely not Ben Mitchell from EastEnders. That's incredible. Do you know what? God like, if that, that was an accidental one, but when your mates find a nickname for you like that, you, it's part awful, awful, part genius, and you just got to be like, I, I love that about the... banter. I think that just, you know, as long as you've got a thick enough skin to, to, to handle yeah, it, yeah. you know. Well, over the course of lockdown and things like that, there's been like Christmases and birthdays and things like mm. that, and we always send stuff to each other. And I think over the course of the yeah. last year, Rob sent me for about three different things through the post, and every single one, my girlfriend's just looked at the post and just gone, I'm assuming this is for you, and handed it to me, and it's addressed to Ben Mitchell. For your birthday, I got you a signed photo of Ben of, Mitchell. Of ben Mitchell, yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't ever watched... Well, I, I, do you know what? I'm lying. I watched EastEnders last night. I haven't watched EastEnders for about 20 years, and it, the telly was on... And I was just on the laptop, and it came on last night. And I was surprised that Kathy Bill was in it, Sonia was in it, and um, Harry Redknapp was in it. Harry Redknapp? <laughs> Harry Redknapp was in EastEnders last night. It, it was like when you was trying not to watch the finale of Dawson's Creek. I just kept looking <laughs> over my laptop thinking, what the fuck is this? You got Harry Redknapp uh, roly-poly in the <laughs> But I didn't know who Ben Mitchell was, but interestingly... 
he turned up at my nightclub. <laughs> no. So there was all of these people. This was probably about four years ago. Uh, and all of these people going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I see all these people having photos with this lad. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> like, you know, is that George from the... No. Yeah, um, yeah. And, Just as he's getting but, into a taxi uh, <laughs> at the end of the night, some guy's like, George O'Connor, pilot season. <laughs> but he uh, he was really lovely. He was a really nice dude. And, and yeah, and I was like, who is that? And hmm. uh, and I hate I do I wasn't trying to be that uh, you know that kind of that disrespectful dude like you know, who's that yeah. like I, I genuinely didn't know. <laughs> uh, what what uh, part was that? Just a toothbrush. Oh, toothbrush, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for some reason he was in he was in Essex, and uh, yeah, and he just turned up. He was and he was he was a smashing lad. Ben Mitchell's like Doctor Who in that every now and then a different actor gets a stab at playing him. <laughs> <laughs> They just miss out the bit where he regenerates. Walks into the I don't know which one it was. Then <laughs> miss your time, a... Lord. That's what I want to know. <laughs> just comes back with a different face. Oh yeah, that's that's him. Brilliant. Right, uh, number two. Uh, number two. This is one. So it was between one and two, we kept going back and forth on. So in number two, uh, we've gone with Lost. Yeah, uh, it's an incredible pilot that. Really incredible is. pilot uh, I think you know Lost is for me I think that's my favourite pilot of all time um, you know maybe it doesn't like quite reinvent the wheel or revolutionise mm. TV much like like 24 did but uh, I think in terms of what what a pilot episode needs to achieve you know um, it ticks every single box you know so you know firstly is it you know is it exciting? Is it involving? Is it entertaining? You know fuck yes it is um, cinematic as well cinematic and you know, the fact at the time it was the most expensive pilot uh, ever made as well. At the time, uh, I think it, it cost $14 million to make just for that one episode alone. Um, the record was recently beaten by Westworld. Uh, that was $25 million uh, for one it's episode of TV. It's a very good pilot. So, you know, secondly as, secondly as well, like, does it introduce its characters in an like effective way? And so by the end of the episode, can we easily like, like differentiate between all these characters? Lost season one, and that pilot has 14 characters in its ensemble. That's 14. Uh, the cast is entirely like multicultural. Um, some characters don't even speak English. You know, their dialogue is provided by, by subtitles. So not only does this pilot have to set up, you know, the plot of the show gives us hints as to where the show's going um, and effectively set up 14 characters. It somehow achieves it. You know, we get hints as to, like, what makes these guys tick. We get hints of their life before the crash. Um, you know, and, you know, some of it's told by, like, throwaway dialogue, but some mm. of it's told by, um, like, monologue. So uh, Matthew Fox, who plays uh, Jack Shepard, he gets a fantastic monologue about uh, his life as, like, a doctor. And um, in this two-minute-long scene, we get to, we understand Jack more than 99% of other characters in other TV shows. Um, this script for the pilot, I, I just think it has so much to do, uh, and it never feels like we're being barraged by like exposition or no, clumsy no. writing. I think it did start that, like you say, it didn't change the game, but I think in a small way it did because, like, you had I don't, oh, I can't remember, I'm sure the internet will correct me, but there's <laughs> a load of, I think, since Lost, there's a load of shows now that do that. Here's a character in the present day, they're presently on this island, and this is happening, and then that's flashback to where they were like Orange is the New Black is a good yep. example and a lot of shows do that because it works so well on Lost like you could show one one version of a character then show you know how different they were in a different scenario and yep. that tells you so much more than just like it's a really clever trick 
Yeah, for sure. And it um, did, you, you're right. It did it did feel like a movie? Like it felt like movie hmm. quality. And is it Abrams? Was he at the flagship? Yeah, Abrams um, directed the pilot. Yeah, hmm. he did. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I loved it. I, I, re- I it drew absolutely drew me in, and it was the talk of the office as well where I worked. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like, and the whole of season one, I felt like that. Like they kept revisiting that and doing like you know showing characters and their backstories, and mm-hmm. and yet there was always that sense of urgency on the island and conflicting agendas. I, I re I really loved that first season of Lost, and um, I ended up. I think watching the first few episodes of season two, and I was like, I had this feeling of what I thought was definitely where it was going to go. And I was like, if it goes that way, I'm going to become a serial killer. And <laughs> and, and, and I had to stop it because I thought it was going to frustrate me so much if it went that mm-hmm. way. So I never watched it. But then later on, I asked a few buddies and I was like, where did they take it? And I went that way. And I thought, thank like, I was kind of glad that I didn't watch it all. Maybe I should go back. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who loved it. Did you guys finish it? Did you watch it all? You have. I haven't. Mm-hmm. So like, this is a... We, I don't know when we're going to do this because it, it's taken us this long to sit in the same room together. But we, we're going to re-watch Lost, aren't we? Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I think I've watched the same as you, Chris. I watched the first series because I didn't have Sky or anything. And I no, think same. They bought it off of BBC after the first series. I was like... I can't be bothered to keep up with this. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first season, but I can't remember anything of it. When we watched it, the pilot, I think it was our first episode, I um, I, I couldn't remember a lot of it. It was all new to me. So mm-hmm. we're going to try and rewatch all of Lost. But do it as like a YouTube reaction so we get to <laughs> see, see, see Rob watch it. Yeah, if I get to the what point, did you like... think then, without giving anything away to Rob? Like, ha- ha- um, Is it unfair to talk about it if you and... No, no, I I think what it did, it was very special in terms of TV as well, though, because what it did, um, it, it was massive. It got like, it was like 28 million viewers an episode, I think, the first episode. So uh, it was the most watched TV show in the world. So when it got to like season three, ABC, who like were the, the who um, were running the show, essentially just kept saying, we want more, do another season, do another season, do another season. And these seasons were 24 episodes a season as well. And it did start to sort of spin its wheels a little bit. So what was quite unknown for TV at the time, because it was either, you know, it was essentially most TV shows then were like, keep going until you get cancelled. Keep going until you've run out of viewers and then we'll just cancel the show. They got to halfway through season three and they had what is known as the worst episode of Lost ever made. Fans hated it. Even the cast hated it. So then uh, the creators and the writers of the show went to ABC and they're like, we need to end the show. We need to give us an end date so we can start wrapping it, wrapping it up. So they said, okay, you've got another three seasons in you. Only do 14 episodes a season as well. And then from then on, the show got sort of like a new life, I feel. And to, to me, seasons four and five are its strongest. Um, the last season is quite divisive and definitely how the show ended is quite uh, divisive as well. See, that puts me off because I think you say whenever someone says, "Yeah, like series four and five is where it really picks up." I'm like, <laughs> Fuck, how much you got to get through? <laughs> it's <laughs> the worst when you hear that. They'll be like, "The first six episodes, just wait. Episode seven, it kicks in." You're like, "Well, well, well I've got to watch like six episodes of both, shit TV." We're both relatively new dads as well, so when someone says. Honestly, get to like after the first five episodes. That's five hours. I don't yeah. get that much time in a week. <laughs> that's that's my that's the next five months spare time. You're yeah. asking me. Mm-hmm. It's taken me See, months to get through Mr. Robot. Yeah. 
yeah, and I, I love my son dearly, but it's <laughs> he's take he takes a lot of time up. Mm. Uh, do you guys oh, yeah. want a bit of a, a bit of lost trivia? Yeah, go on. We love giving out a bit of trivia on this show. So, um, so of course the character of of Jack, like I said, played by uh, Matthew Fox, he was actually a very very last minute addition to the cast. Um, because in the original pilot script, uh, we were introduced to what looked like the main character of the show, Jack Shepard. Um, he was a doctor, and originally cast in the role was actually Michael Keaton, not Matthew Fox. Um, he signed on specifically, though, because they told him you'd only be in the first episode. So what they were going to do, they were going to set up the character of Jack. They were still going to give him this incredible monologue about his life uh, before the crash, before the island. So then we kind of, as an audience, sort of settle into the show and go, okay, here's our anchor, here's our lead character. And then the episode would end with him getting killed. Um, so then it was almost like a Scream-style scenario. Psycho, you, yeah. You, yeah, so spoilers for Scream. But it was 1996, go fuck yourself if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, so yeah, we have... It also gives the, uh, the idea of anyone can get killed, no one's safe in this show. So then once they handed that script back to Michael Keaton, being like, uh, we've had a couple of rewrites. He was like, well, I was going to be in episode one. Now you, I'm alive at the end of the episode. <laughs> so literally like two, three weeks before filming, he bowed out the show, which left them without a lead. Um, so uh, yeah, that's... And then Matthew Fox. And so the Matthew Fox you see in that pilot, three weeks prior, he had no idea he was going to be in the biggest TV show of all time at that point. Yeah, well, right. I can't mm. imagine Keaton. If, Keaton if in Lost and Feel Weird, yeah. He's got those eyebrows that are sort of set to, like, untrustworthy. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely, trustworthy guy. But you just look at him, because they sort of automatically, like, you know... He's, he's like, practiced uh, those great as well. He's played them like that. Only you could look at I, I someone think and reaction. think his eyebrows are untrustworthy. <laughs> it's because I watched Jack Frost at a young age. You ever seen that? <laughs> yes. like, where he turns into a snowman. But I think it, I can't remember what actor it was. This is a bit of trivia for Jack Frost. <laughs> That's what we tune in for. Yeah, so I can't remember who it was. I think it was George Clooney that was originally going to play the part. He bowed out. Mm -hmm. So they got Michael Keaton in, but they already made the snowman to look like George Clooney. So they just stuck on these sort of like zigzaggy... Keaton eyebrows. Tree tree, twig (laughs) eyebrows. (laughs) I just sort of see that snowman whenever I look at him, yeah. (laughs) In regards to reaction videos... um, if you would have seen my reaction to the last episode of the first season, um, I think that probably would have gone viral. Um, People I, went very angry. I got really into Lost that first season, and then the last, the finale was a double episode when it first went out live. There was two hours worth, and I was working uh, on building sites then, and I had to get up very early, and I stayed up late to watch it because I needed that closure. And it didn't come. And I remember thinking, <laughs> if I thought that it wouldn't wake my, 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 my daughter up, I would throw my fucking television <laughs> through my patio doors. Because I was like fucking livid. I was so angry. I was like, I hate it when TV shows don't just go out in a blaze of glory. Like what Gervais does. Let's just make a couple and just cement it as gold. Yep. A prime example of that, what was a brilliant first series... Homeland, right? Press the fucking button. Blow it all up. Go out in a blaze of fucking glory at the end of that season. No, don't, because people like this, we're going to make another one, and it won't be quite as good. And it's like, 
come on, someone do it. Someone just do that one season and make mm. it gold and just do all the things that everybody wants it to do and not just cash in. I think TV is slowly going that way, though, now. Things like uh, Netflix are doing like a lot more miniseries, aren't they? So mm-hmm. like the Queen's Gambit and stuff, they'll do... Well, everything's getting cancelled, Rob. That's why. Like, yeah, no, like yeah. There's so many of these like big-budget shows now that you watch that are their number-one ranking show... Cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Well, we talk about this. Yeah, we talk about this on the podcast, and it's all to do with Netflix. They have the. It's a horrible way of looking at it. They have this algorithm essentially. So what they'll do, they'll get pitched a TV show, and they'll put it into this algorithm, and it will tell them how many subscribers, new subscribers, are we going to get if we greenlight this TV show. So let's say um, it could be any TV show. What's one recently got cancelled? Santa Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet, something like that. So they'll look at, right, who's starring it? It's a Timothy, Timothy Oliphant and... Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. They'll look at that. They'll look at the cast and the plot line and they'll go, how many subscribers will that give us? Yep, let's green light it. But then what they do, they don't green light seasons two, three, four, anything like that based on quality. They put it through the algorithm again. So then they'll say, okay, if we do season two of Santa Clarita Diet, how many new subscribers is that going to give us? And it's not going to give them any new subscribers because anyone that was already interested in the show have already subscribed to Netflix. So that's what they do. If they yeah. think, if they feel like a season two or three or four of a show is not going to make people sign up for that new monthly fee, they'll cancel it. Yeah, so, so then you're, you're ne- stuck in this loop of never wanting to get attached to any show on mm-hmm. Netflix. Mm-hmm. So now they are doing miniseries a bit more. That's bit working more. for them. Did you see Queen's Gambit? I haven't, no. Mm-hmm. Really, really, I highly, yeah. highly oh, recommend yeah. Queen's Gambit. Very, very and good. You know it's going to finish, which is exactly a relief. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, just quickly, what, going back to Battlestar Galactica, Battlestar Galactica, I think, achieved what I'm worried Lost never did because it, it tackles all the big, big subjects, like on a, mm. on a, on a uni- like universal galactic scale, mm-hmm. like God, religion, money, politics, power, yeah. um, fate. And it actually answers those questions as well, you know, mm-hmm. sufficiently, like leaving a little room for interpretation, but not like leaving the book completely open, like, you know. Yeah. Well, well, Lost, Lost, Lost starts off saying, we're going to ask all these philosophical questions, but it doesn't. Then it goes, oh, we're going to do the, the time travel route or the big sci-fi route and stuff like that. Battlestar Galactica like you said, pays off on that. They're going to ask these philosophical questions, but actually in a really brave way, attempt to answer yeah. some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard someone say about J.J. Abrams that he's great at starting things. Like, he's great at get, ask, like, putting forward all these questions and making you get invested because you can say, you know, um, you know, I wonder what the, the hatch is. I wonder what the smoke monster is. I wonder what mm-hmm. the island is and how this has all happened. And that's great to get you in. But then he sort of, when it comes to answering it, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> well that's, that's that's quite one of the conflicts with uh, the podcast you know where we look at a pilot episode of a show so we look at the, epi- the the pilot episode of Lost and think it's one of the greatest pieces of thing ever to go on TV but then we also that's why as part of the podcast as well we have to look at well the what was, was, the, it, yeah. was the rest of the show well received did it deliver are, are people still talking about it so look at Game of Thrones like it was it was that was water cooler TV for sure. Everyone was watching and talking about Game yeah, of Thrones. Absolutely. When it ended, it's a fart in the wind. No one cares yeah. about Game of Thrones. Nah, yeah, we, we saw that in the numbers for that episode. <laughs> to, to be honest, yeah, we saw it in the numbers for our episode. Like we put, we were save, we were saving Game of Thrones to do it on the podcast. We were like, we're gonna wait till we got a really big week. So we ended up getting like um, 
like a, a subs- no, not a subscriber, sponsor. a sponsor for um for the show. And we were like, right, first week of having a sponsor, we're going to do Game of Thrones. And it was one of our least listened to episodes <laughs> ever. No, no one we gives did, a we, shit anymore. No, tell lie, we did pa- Friends pa- first. Paper Bruce that, yeah. from it, I think. Mm-hmm. Paper's still recovering from it's, their disappointment. Yeah. I think, yeah, because that's the you've got to be able to let, make that landing of of the you know pun intended of, of yeah the, it's got to sort of pay off what the pilot sets up and when you get to the end of it it was just sort of like you're never going to want to sit down and watch all the Game of Thrones again knowing where it's where you're I was, yeah I was so confident they were going to nail the landing but mm. mid, by by season four I was like they really know they really know how to tell a story they yeah. really do know they really understand character arcs they really understand storytelling. And yeah, just fucking lost, all lost until their they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the number one then? What's it? The number one spot. One. It is the Simpsons. Great. So Simpsons roasting on an open fire, which we we actually had a band put on a self-inflicted band because every week we do like a question of the week, and we were talking about um, any any way we would find a way to George would go. So lost is this, and I'd be like the Simpsons, like every week, to the point that everyone was like, "Right, just you've got to have a ban on it because don't fucking shut up about it." Yeah. And I'm obsessed with the Simpsons, and I remember watching this first episode, and I rewatched it again, um, you know, in preparation for this, and I just, I almost get you get like whiplash if you watch an episode today mm-hmm. compared to that, but it's all there, like the the setup of the family, like yeah. All of their character traits are there. Homer is, you know, he's a lovable oaf. Like, he's so stupid, but he cares for his family more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think there's a line, like, in a later episode, Lisa's Substitute, where he says, Every, you know, I've, I've never um, lost any anyone that matters to me because everyone that matters to me is under this roof. And that's there in that first episode. Like, yeah. he, oh, yeah. he doesn't get his bonus, so he goes and... And works as a father Christmas for thirteen dollars in order mm-hmm. to be able to give them uh, a Christmas that they deserve. Yeah. And but in the same episode, you got Bart getting a tattoo and and, <laughs> <laughs> and all this stuff. Like even like little characters like Barney is. It's all there, and I was just so impressed by like how they took it from these these little shorts that are on the Tracy Ullman show before that looked like dog crap. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then suddenly you've got these. They, they they fully fledged it. Mm-hmm. Sort of inspired. But I think we chatted about it before. But inspired by the Flintstones and these long running sort of prime time cartoons. Yeah. Into something that could work as a show that people or families can watch and everyone get something from it. Yeah. Well, for, what firstly blew me away was researching for this as well. That that was made in 1989. Yeah. That's unreal to me that Simpsons has been you know on TV that long. You know, and like like Rob said, the idea for The Simpsons was initially it was just going to be um, each episode would be like twenty to twenty five minutes long, but would have three short films in each episode because they didn't feel like a whole twenty to twenty five minute long episode of animation on primetime yeah. TV on Fox in America was going to be enough to hold an audience's yeah. attention. But it was only once they started seeing you know the scripts and some of the work that these guys were doing, they were like, no, actually do full feature-length episodes. And, you know, the first episode happened to be a Christmas special. Uh, You know, The Simpsons roasting on an open fire, and I think top TV Christmas episodes is a whole different hardcore listings episode in itself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It would be a bit of an obvious answer if you get... It's for our Christmas, because we we set these rules for ourselves. I don't know if you guys do this as well. Hmm? It's like you set these these ridiculous rules that you sort of back yourself into the corner. We was like, right, pilot season, any show we do has to have finished 
Um, <sighs> that was the main rule, wasn't it? It can't be a mini series. It can't be like a one series. Yeah, because everyone's asking us to do Lucifer, and we're we're sticking to our guns. Yeah, here. Like, like no, it hasn't yeah, finished. finished. Wait. Mm. Yeah. So like, for when it came around to our first Christmas one, we was like, right, what's something that's not a mini series? That started on a Christmas episode. <laughs> it was like, I was like, The Simpsons. It was like, but it's definitely not finished. It's like, like, <laughs> over 700 episodes. So we ended up doing Charlie Brown, didn't we? Yeah. It was like the f- squeezing, scraping the bell of a, you know, that was the first <laughs> special they ever did was the Christmas one. But yeah, it's such Oh, a, really? Mm, it was the Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's Christmas, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think, I, the thing that surprised me most is what I loved about when The Simpsons started, and this lasted for like the first, arguably like the first ten years of it being around, was the amount of heart that they had. So you, mm. you could you could have these moments like Bart sort of you know ruining the the Christmas song by singing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, and things. Mm-hmm. But then two two seconds later, you've got there's there's a moment in this first episode where he's in the room with um, he finds out that Homer is you know working as a Father Christmas. And he says, like, you must really love us if you'd stoop to this level. And it's like a real moment of heart that isn't just mm-hmm. ragging on him. And there's this sort of hidden depths to what you would expect from a cartoon. It's yeah. like it's like a family drama. Yeah, I think this pilot, it, you know, it works so well, you know, as, as an introduction as well. And it's an introduction to what is probably the greatest animated show of all time, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but it completely works um, as a standalone piece, almost like that Breaking Bad pilot. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've said it so many times today. Uh, but you know it's it's so difficult to introduce your characters and the world of the show but all the other shows we've talked about today have done that within 45 minutes to an hour this yeah. does it just over 20 minutes which yeah. is mad um and you know it also manages to and unlike any of the other pilots discussed today it also manages to sort of make you cry at the end mm. so that shows how much it works so you know by the time um at the end of the episode when homer arrives home and to tell his family that he didn't get his Christmas bonus and they have no money. But then the episode still ends with them all singing together, happy the dog, yeah. as a family sitting there with the dog. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, wiping away a tear. <laughs> and, you know, 20 minutes ago, you know, we didn't even really know these characters. Um, so, you know, if, if that doesn't show that the pilot yeah. is effective, I, I don't know what And there's is. arcs in there as well, which is we always talk about as well, like for... Obviously, these are kind of resetting in sitcom things. Like they rarely, unless you're something like Friends, like the, you know, the effects of one episode rarely roll into the next. But The Simpsons, like its first episode, has that whole thing of like Bart going from there's only one fat guy in this house that, <laughs> that brings us presents, and his name ain't you know, ain't Santa Claus, <laughs> and into like having this respect for his dad and sort of like yeah. having this little yeah. well, he, he he treats him like an adult for a bit, doesn't he? I know it's not. The, the best ethically mm-hmm. thing to do is to take your son gambling but uh, yeah it's like they, they have a, something that is true to that family like yeah that they are rough around the edges and they're not perfect but and the fact he calls him Homer yes <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's something that goes out throughout the whole of the Simpsons and it's mm-hmm. there in that first episode it says so much about mm-hmm. how he sees his parents it's great. I, 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 beautiful, I could beautiful. Talk about it's been Simpsons. so long since I saw that. I have seen the first episode, but it's been mm. like, well, it's been as you say, guys, nineteen eighty nine, and I think I probably caught it. I didn't obviously. I wasn't bougie. I didn't have Sky, but once it started going on, what was it? BBC Two. I think they started it from the, the beginning, and the animation even in that first season isn't wasn't the same, was it? It was a lot more basic. It was but, um, um, the. I think it's Klasky Kuspo. I think I can't, I can't ever pronounce it, but they basically it's like a small team of people, but they went on to do Rugrats. 
So they right. that's why it kind of looks a lot different. So I think, yeah. I think they did the first, definitely the first season. I don't know about the second. But it's all, that's why it gradually starts turning. It's into a little it. rough around the edges, but it's the writing and the character work that you exactly. stay for, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Still and got... they built such a strong world there. But my, my friend had a poster of The Simpsons, and it was all the characters after about, I don't know, six or seven years. And when we'd go around his house like, at 16, and I'd sit on his bed, and we'd just, um, other than jerk each other off, we'd sit <laughs> on the bed and we'd play a game of look for a character. <laughs> And it take you sometimes it take you like five ten minutes because there was so many it was mm. such a rich world and uh, yeah it's all it's all there in I guess in the first oh. episode yeah I wish I would have been hanging out with you and your mates <laughs> what a right. laugh hand, all right, hand jobs and where's what in the hat paint <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell come round we look at me poster yeah man I'm on my way <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> um. Were there any honourable mentions, gents, that didn't quite make the grade? Yeah, we had a few, didn't we? Mm. In the debate, Scrubs was one. Yep. Because we, we covered that for the show. Mm. My, my wife loves Scrubs. I remember I watched, yeah, the, I watched the first season, like, years ago. And when we moved into our, like, we, we moved into our flat together, and she went, oh, well, we didn't have internet for about a week. She was like, what we got DVD-wise? We had a box set of Scrubs, and we watched all of it. Um, and that, yeah, it's... That first episode especially is so strong. It's just now. I mean, Bill yeah. Lawrence. Uh, I think I've watched Ted Lasso about four times, and that's <laughs> with, that's with me reduced ad hours. It's um, he Bill. That's incredible television. I, I know. Ted I so cry good. every time I watch it. It's it beautiful. Blew my mind. New series coming soon. Oh, I don't. It's all I keep uh, talking about. Mm. Every week we'll be like, "What have you watched this week?" I watched the finale of Ted Lasso again. <laughs> <laughs> have you caught that yet, Glasson? Nah, I need oh, to. Man. I need to. So I, it weren't even on my to watch list. I completely forgot about it. So I need to pull my finger out and uh, check that. I really recommend it, if you, especially Wonderful. if you like Scrubs as well. It's got that same level of heart and 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 laughs as well. Sort of mm-hmm. manages to get that balance just perfect. But yeah, that was one that I was. Yeah. I think if it was two separate lists, Scrubs would have been <laughs> on mine. I think. Yeah, and made it. Yeah, one that almost great. made the list as well. I think Stu, you've mentioned it was uh, Homeland. That's an incredible pilot. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's got Absolutely. one hell of a hook at the end, and the character work is so strong just in that pilot as well. Mm, definitely, mm. yeah. We're, He's incredible in that as well. Yeah, they they both are. They're both stunning in that show. Um, won a ton of awards for it as well. So yeah, I can't watch it. Now, I, used to, uh, I used to live near him. I used to bump into him in my supermarket. Oh, really? In my little budgeons, yeah. But I, I'd never watched it, so. Um, <laughs> That's where that story ends. I kind of, I kind of hope I never meet him in a way, just because I described on our episode as always looking like he's done a fart and got away with it. <laughs> but it's, it's it's Claire Danes. Is it Claire yeah. Danes yeah. in that? Yeah, like she just cried too much in that, and her cry face weren't the greatest <laughs> face. It annoyed me after a while. I was like, oh, Claire, stop they it. They did play on it after right. a while. Yeah, you feel like every yeah. episode. Yeah, she was having another little breakdown. Have, have you guys seen Archer? Yeah. The, the, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's this cartoon series. It's, it's really good. I think it's all on Netflix as well. But there's this. Um, I think one of the first episodes. There's a line where the lead character's like, "Oh, please don't cry. You look so ugly when you cry." Can I throw an honourable mention yes, in? Um, I, I want to throw in the uh, pilot of Modern Family. Um, the, the the that first episode yeah. just establishes. So many incredible. Do you do you guys watch it? Yeah, we it? covered it in the show. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Oh, it's like it just sets out everyone, and yeah, and 
and uh, for me, halfway through that first episode, I was like, I'm going to love this show. Mm-hmm. It's just got everything Phil, and the characters. Phil Dunphy is one of the greatest <laughs> sitcom characters of all time. 100%. <laughs> Hilarious. 100%. What's that one line right. in the pilot when he's like, oh, I know the kids thing. I'm, I'm the cool dad. Yeah. Um, LOL. Laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> WTF? What? Why the face? Why the face? <laughs> why the face? Yeah. In that pilot where he's in front of the kids that are trying to watch telly, and he's got his, um, his kind of um, fraternity jacket on, or whatever you call them, baseball jackets, and he's literally singing High School Musical and doing the dance routine in front of the telly to the kids, and they're just dying. And it's like, and he's that character that you just adore, and he's because his heart is so in the right place. But he's such a tit. It's just brilliant. And obviously, you know, Jay Pritchard, you know, obviously people knew him from uh, Home Improvements, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, and yeah, just I- I- incredible. The fact that, you know, there's, there's, it's so diverse, that show as well. And it's got the, the, the right messages as well. Uh, and it's just fucking hilarious. And the last ever episode delivered as well yeah people really love that last season as well and yeah i think the show uh, the characters have got just a bigger heart as the show itself because you'd be mm. you'd be cracking up throughout all of it but i find myself especially for the first two three seasons alone gets to the end of the episode oh, and here you, goes. You, yeah here he goes again <laughs> you're wiping away that little tear again always, hmm? always. on modern family right. they really knew how to like tug at the, uh, tug at the yeah. heartstrings one, yeah, one more was the shield wasn't it Yes. Well, do you know what? That was what I was going to close on, Rob. I was going to say, like, if you hadn't seen, um, if you, if you struggle to sort of like with the wire, mm. I, I always feel my other favourite, um, sort of like crime one is the Shield, and yeah. the Shield is just a bit easier to digest. It's probably what has I like. all the. <laughs> it's incredible, but it's, I, I like it just as much. And that yeah. first episode might be my favourite pilot. Of, and what what time, a hook to end it on! Yeah, even though it's yeah. got the kid rock bit in it, like before, <laughs> yeah. it's like a very sort of dad rock moment where, um, like, Vic Mackey sort of tooling up, getting his shotgun out, and it's a like, bang, did it, bang, did it, bang, did it. That bit makes me go a bit. Ugh. Yeah. But um, I love the shield so much. The only reason we didn't include it is because I knew I would waffle on about it all day, and George mm. is currently watching all through it, much like he did with Mister Robot. Mm. We, I watched a pilot for the first time on the show, and now I'm currently like I'm in season three now, and just obsessed yeah. with it. It's so incredible. Is Forrest Whitaker on it yet? Is Forrest Whitaker? I think he's just about to turn up. Yes. Can't look at Juicy Fruit the same way. I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> but yeah, it, I think it's one of those first episodes where you can't talk about without talking about the last episode. And it was like, I know I'm going to waffle on and ruin the shield for George. Mm. I've already done it on the pod. Ruined mm. it bits of it. So yeah, that's why that wonderful. All right, gents. So if people want to check out the podcast, um, what's what's the deal with it? How how frequent do they come out? Where can they get it? So it's weekly. Uh, you can pretty much get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. It's pilot season. Uh, we've got a Twitter page which is the pilot season, mm-hmm. uh, which I tend to run, and Rob runs our Instagram page. That's at pilot season stuff. Um, and yeah, like. We've sort of changed the format a little bit now. We're trying to keep it fresh. So you, you used to be every episode we just watch one old pilot, like we yeah. said, that's finished and things like that. But now we're watching two pilots a week, and it is um, obviously sticking to the original one, a pilot that's been out on TV and is finished. But then we're also watching a new TV show that's been released that week. Mm-hmm. So we have no idea where it's going to go, but we're just judging it based on its first like episode it, yeah. and then discussing whether we're going to watch any more of it and things like that. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah, um, and it's, it's it's a lot of fun. People seem to enjoy it. And, um, yeah, yeah uh, give it a listen. If you like the idea of George getting thoroughly annoyed as well. Mm-hmm. 
It's normally an hour and a He's been well, but he's been well behaved today. today. Yeah, I usually have a headache by the end of our episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing jingles at him left, right, and centre. But yeah, I've behaved myself. Lovely, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure Um, to meet you. Yeah, really be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've been uh, listening to hardcore listings for about four or five years. So this is uh, this is mad, and it's a it's an honour to be on with you guys. We uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, mate. Oh, the pleasure's all ours, oh, mate. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, boys. Cool. Take care. See you guys. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast.